Welcome back to The Siding Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. Now, on this week's podcast, we are joined with a very, very special guest, but I thought I would just let him introduce himself to the podcast. So, Jacob, go on ahead, introduce yourself to everyone. Hello, my name's Jacob Hatch. I'm an 18-year-old Australian. I'm about an hour south from Sydney, is where I live. And uh, I've moved over to the UK this year to compete in the Junior Superstock 600 class in BSB with Leon's Affinity Academy. Yeah, brilliant. Well, first off, thank you very much for joining us. And also, I have to congratulate you after last weekend in Alton. You had an unbelievable weekend taking, was it, was it your first podium and then your first win in the class as well in the in the one weekend? Yeah, it was unexpected. I got a, um, I got a third on the on the... We had a bank holiday weekend, so the first race was on a Saturday. and the se- Oh, no, the first race was on a Sunday. The second race was on the Monday. And I picked up a third in the first race in the dry, and then I uh, had a good win in the second one, uh, one by 2.1 seconds, so I was happy enough with that. Wow, that's incredible. You've become a bit of a, a dark horse at the start of this season, I have to say. Were you expe- Were you expecting to be up there so quick into the season? Um, I definitely wasn't expecting to be that far up at Alton because it's probably one of my... I don't really like the track, if I'm being honest. It's probably one of the harder tracks I find in the UK. So to be able to get two podiums there, I surprised myself. I think everyone was surprised with how I went there. So, But, you know, I'm happy enough for the points that we got and how it's went. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now you're third in the championship. How did it feel to take that first win in the class? Uh, it's the first win I've ever had. I have never won anything ever before. So to be over here what? and win, yeah, it's pretty special. I actually don't saying? believe you at all. You've never won anything. Nah, nah. <laughs> don't believe it. Don't believe it. <laughs> Once just like, nope. <laughs> just go. <laughs> yeah. best, best I've got to second before. So that's the, yeah. And it just also considering the tricky weather conditions and everything going on, the qualifying seemed very chaotic. Yeah, I actually got taken, I actually got taken out in qualifying on my fly lap, so I probably would have went P one, but someone hit mm. me from behind, so oh, well, makes it go. even more exp- <laughs> impressive. Um, so we've read that your dad had quite a big influence on your passion for bikes. When did you decide that racing was something you wanted to pursue? Um, I think when I was about when I was about fourteen, I was really into going to the skate park and riding scooters and stuff, and in Australia, you kind of, well, in probably most countries, you go up riding dirt bikes. It's just something that my dad got me was a dirt bike to ride, like take me to the track and just do something on the weekends. So I did a little bit of dirt bike riding when I was younger, but I didn't really, it was never something that I was like, I was into it, but it was not something that I took seriously. It was just something to go do it was fun. And then um, dad got me, I knew dad rode road bikes. He did a little bit of racing as well, but he come home with a road bike for me one day and was like, oh, we'll try this out. So I think I was about 14 or 13 when I first got on a road bike and had a go. And then ever since then, I've just thought, I like this. I want to keep, I want to keep doing this. So I continued to do it and now I'm here. What was the first bike that your dad got you? Um, It was a Motard. It was a, I think it was a DHZ 140. It was just like a little motor bike that we rode at the go-kart tracks okay do you still own it no i don't know where it is now. It's <laughs> oh. a while. lots of people talk about how when they get their first bike that they, they like they keep it 
Maybe yeah. loads of people actually keep their first bikes. I remember um, Levy Baddy showed us around his house when we did an interview with him and he was showing us all his little bikes and everything. And I thought it was really it was cool. just planted right in the middle in of his living, living room. room. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've just ended up selling all our bikes. We don't, mm. we don't really keep much. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So you sort of mentioned that you did a bit of like dirt tracking and stuff like that. What hobbies do you have outside of racing? What do you like to do in your downtime? Um... Well, surfing's a big thing to me. When I'm at home in Australia, I like to go surfing. We used to live real close to the beach, so I'd just walk outside and walk down the beach, go have a surf, get my mates to come get me or go for a surf somewhere else. So that was a big thing to me when I was at home. And then, I don't know, I didn't really do much else other than surf, if I'm being honest. Just so what made you decide to go motorbikes rather than surfing then? I only, I only started surfing when we moved to New South Wales. So I would have probably mm. been, um, I don't know. I didn't grow up surfing. I only started not long ago. So it was probably about two or three years ago I started surfing. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I suppose you don't do much surfing in, in the UK. <laughs> no, too cold for that. <laughs> Way too cold. I was just talking before you joined how I was at the beach yesterday and literally nearly got hypothermia. It's that cold. So yeah. Are there yeah. even waves in the UK where you yeah. can surf? What? Yeah, I reckon it would, I reckon it would be. Where's, where's the place that's um? Oh, what's the place called? Where it's big surfing. Here. Cornwall. Cornwall oh, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I think they're really big on surfing. Okay. There's a lot of surfing in the south of Ireland as well. Yeah, I can imagine oh. it gets pretty. Yeah. Well, up there, it's not very good weather all the time, is it? <laughs> what a good geography lesson, Anik. There you go. We do get weird. Well, I'm sorry. Guys. I live in a landlocked country. <laughs> There's not much surfing going on here. We'll teach you how to surf, Anik. We'll do that sometime. Oh, yeah, that's going to go brilliantly, probably. I also can't surf, so I don't know why I'm acting like I can surf, because I definitely can. Lauren is someone who is very sh- sure about her own. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like, like to think sorry. I can do everything like when I really yeah, the, the mini motorbikes, Lauren. Yeah, apparently I'm having a mini moto race with every single rider that we've had on the podcast. <laughs> We're going to get them all together and do a mini uh, moto race. And I've said that I'm going to win. So I don't really know where I've got this confidence from. But yeah. if you're interested, Jacob, you confidence, can come and be a part. Confidence is key. Exactly. Yeah, you can come be a part of that mini moto race yeah, if Jacob, you want. I'll pay you extra money if you're extra hard oh, with the yeah. elbows on Lauren. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kick me off my bike, basically. Yeah, indie <laughs> offers seem to be really up for that one as well. <laughs> But yeah, I suppose then with the, the hobbies outside of racing, if you hadn't have become a rider, I know you're only 18, so you maybe don't know that, but do you know what your career path would have been if you hadn't have chosen bikes? Um, I don't know. I, wouldn't, I didn't really listen in school. <laughs> uh, wouldn't have been anything very important, but um, dad's a coal miner and I've always wanted to, I don't know why, but I've always wanted to be a coal miner for some reason. So either that or I used to be a chippy as well. Or a, like, um, do you know what a chippy is? Do have? No. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's, a car, it's a name for a carpenter. That's what we call them in Australia. Oh, right. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I did that at home as well. So I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. Hmm. I suppose you don't need to put much thought into it when you just think bikes all the time. Yeah, that's literally what my mind thinks about all the time is just motorbikes. So. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you did make the move from the from Australia to the UK, and it is a 
probably a very, very big decision to make. When did you decide that it was time to choose to change the scenery? And what did your parents think about it? Um, well, last year was my first year over here and we had mum had actually come over with me, but we thought that it was about time to come over here when I was, it was my second year in 300s and we knew that we wanted to, we knew that like, you know, everyone's dream in motorbike riding, I think is to go overseas and race overseas and be in more competitive class. So we'd had ideas that to go somewhere in Europe to ride 300s. And then there was ideas that I would just stay at home and ride a 600. And then dad called me one day while I was at work and he was like, Oh, you could be moving to Britain. And I was like, Hmm, well, what's going on there? And he was like, <laughs> Oh, there's a, there's a team that wants it needs a 600 rider. And I was like, so I'm going to be riding a 600 on tracks I've never been to in a foreign country. And he's like, yeah, you will. And I was like, <laughs> all right. So I was happy enough to do that. And then we, um, we got put on to Leon and the team here and yeah, the rest is kind of, it's just all worked out. The amount of hospitality that Leon's family and Anne and Ron and everyone's given to us while we've been here. Like I live at their farm, I live in a caravan as well. So, um, I live, yeah, I live at their farm in a caravan, so they've helped me out a lot with everything I need over here while I've been here. It's been great. Living the dream in a caravan. Yeah. yeah, I am living the dream. Yeah, no, I don't really, I don't really mind about living in a caravan, or I've got nothing to complain about because I'm over here living my dream, and I know that there's a lot of people that would do a lot to be in my position. So, I've, I say everything's a positive to me. There's nothing that's a downside to me while I'm here. Yeah. You said um obviously you wanted to move to like Europe to race. Like do you think it's benefited you to move to BSB or do you think it would have been better to move to like Spain or somewhere? Um I definitely think moving to BSB was the right move because um I think I think coming from Australia and moving to England it's similar to Australia with I don't, I mean, I don't need to learn to speak a different language or <laughs> learn how to read a different language or anything like that. I spent time in Italy when I first got here and I was like, it's just, it's too hard. Why? I'm just so happy being in England, being able to, you know, go and talk to people or read signs and stuff. I know I'll be able to learn to read it all, but I mean, it's just easy to be here. And like what I, how I said before about the Haslam's, the amount of help that I've had being here as well. I've probably, I've learned more in the last two years of my racing than I have the whole time I've ridden just because the amount of information I've had around me, like Ron and Leon, they're just the amount of information they know about the tracks here because they've done so many laps around them and the amount of information they know on bikes or yeah, everything else. We do training while we're at the farm as well. We've got the mechanic shops just down the bottom of the farm. So I'm in there constantly learning about putting bikes back together and stuff with bikes. And there's a dyno that they have here as well. So dyno and bikes and learning all about that. It's been great. Yeah, definitely. I suppose then when you moved from Australia to the, the British shipper bikes, you probably didn't have any experience at all on, on the British tracks and the British weather conditions, I suppose. How did you prepare and how did you get used to that? I suppose obviously Leon was a massive help to that, but what did you do to sort of prepare yourself? Watched a lot of YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I got chucked in the deep end a little bit with not riding a 600 before, before I even come here or been on any of the tracks. So it was a big, lear it was a big learning year for me to come over and try and 
Yeah, we get two sessions before we have qualifying. So I've got two sessions at the track before I have to try and be fast yeah. and, you know, have be somewhere competitive. So last year, I think we did pretty good to be able to, you know, I got two poles and a couple top tens in my first year on the 600. So, you know, I was happy enough. I was, well, I was ecstatic with that really because it's the best year that I'd had up to date. And, um, yeah, now I'm on to my second year and it's going well so far. I was just about to say, so far this year, have you noticed a difference having raced on these circuits so far? Do you know yourself sort of knowing the tracks and knowing what you're getting yourself into in a race weekend? Yeah, well, to be able to come back and from all my data, like I've still got all my data saved from last year. So just yeah. being able to, instead of trying to learn over the two practices that we have, I can just go straight into it and be ready to go. And I know where I'm going now. I know what you know, where I'm changing my gears or where I'm braking to try to go faster. So I've, I've got something to work off now instead of going into a weekend blindly. I've got, yeah, you know, I've got something that I can work to. Yeah. I suppose it is also a lot of help, like being in Leon's team, being able to get some information from someone who has such experience on this track, on all these tracks in the UK. But do you feel like it's, more helpful or sometimes it adds a bit more pressure to have him racing in the same paddock on the same weekends as you we often see valentino rossi when he's at the track just looking over everyone's shoulders giving them advice but at the same time keeping a very close eye on them uh it's definitely it's it's definitely good i don't think it would have any downside to it because i know that i'm not only in their best interests to make me be the fastest possible so they're not going to just flood me with information and make me stress over yeah i've never i've never once come in and then said you're not going fast enough it's always a positive whenever i come off track it's never ever been negative so to have them in my corner i don't think it's uh, there's nothing negative about it um it's yeah everything's positive about the team whenever there's never a negative I suppose moving just back slightly talking about the fact that you moved from Australia to the UK I'm sure homesickness must be a massive part of that do you get homesickness you spend majority of the year away how do you deal with that um it's been a bit different this year because I had I had mum here last year with me so yeah it was easier for me to uh, do stuff like I'm not really I'm not really able to drive a car over here because my license isn't correct for the UK or whatever so oh really yeah so at the moment I'm just catching buses around or if someone can give me a lift I'll get a lift so oh god forbid that must be horrible <laughs> yeah no it's hard it's different to being at home because I could just go jump in my car and drive wherever I wanted but um I don't really get home I don't really get homesickness as such I've got like I do miss my family and I got my girlfriend at home and stuff that I do miss, but I know the reason I'm over here is to be racing, not missing home. So and like I said before, I'm like beyond grateful for the opportunity I've been given. So I'm not going to spend time stressing about being at home. I know in six months time, I'll be back there. So Yeah. I suppose just growing up, you know, quite young at 18, living on your own, cooking yourself dinner and stuff like that. Or is Leon sorting all that out for you too? You don't even have to worry. Sometimes, sometimes um, Ollie will invite me over for dinner and that's yeah. great because it does feel like I'm at home then. But yeah, uh, most of the time I'm just in here. I'll just cook breakfast, lunch yeah. or dinner. And so it's all good. Doing your own washing and all as well? Yeah, that's one thing I do miss from mum not being here <laughs> because there's a lot of things that I've realised that she did that mm. I didn't well I knew that she was doing them but I didn't take into account how much help it was yeah 
I suppose though the benefit of living in a caravan though, it must be quite easy to keep clean. Yeah, no, there's not much to do in here. It's you make my bed, clean the dishes. Sort of. Just yeah, it's just how it rolls. Easy enough then. Better than living in a house, I suppose, and having to do all the housework yourself and then you would need your mum to come back over. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> um, obviously you said you got kind of chucked in at the deep end a bit, um, when you moved from three hundred to six hundred. Do you like enjoy the six hundred more that now that you've like learnt the bike? As soon as uh, before I even had learnt the bike, I liked it more than the three hundred. It's just yeah, going from having, you know, probably forty something horsepower on a three hundred in Australia to going to hundred and thirty horsepower. It's a big big difference in bike feeling and I think just riding a bigger bike, there's so much more to it with setup and how you ride them, there's just a lot more that you can learn and I think that's why I've learned so much in the last two years is because I've been on the bike with I don't just everything that comes with having to ride a bigger bike has just made it so enjoyable. And how would you say does the competition compare between Australia and the UK? Um I don't think it I don't think it compares because there's a lot of fast people in Australia but I think there is a lot more fast people here especially in our championship I think there's mm. I think there's a bigger depth of field, you know, there's like at Silverstone, there was probably, I think there was five tenths between the top, you know, 12, like it's pretty close. So I don't think it's as close in Australia, but there's like the people that can go really quick. Yeah, more competition. I suppose then was that also part of the reason why you decided to make that switch to BSB because the competition is a bit larger maybe than what's in Australia? Yeah, I think just moving to, uh, yeah, I think moving to BSB in general is why we did that is because if I wanted to go somewhere to improve my riding, I might as well put myself in a place where there's going to be people that I can, you know, try and I really have to try to get to to beat instead of, you know, half trying to be somewhere in the pack. You know what I mean? Of course, when you when you made the move from Australian Superbikes to BSB, you switched from a Yamaha to a Kawasaki. Did you also like see a difference in that changing manufacturers? Is it different, like just different to get to know the bike? Um, yeah, going from the 300 to the 600, it's obviously going to be, it's going to be a big change because of the, say the power and how the bike's set up and what it, and just how you ride the bike is different. You carry a lot of corner speed on the smaller bikes because they don't have the power to get out of the corner. When on the 600, especially Kawasaki, we're trying to get them into the corner as fast as possible and then out of the corner as fast as possible. We're not trying to hold the corner speed. So it's been a big, it's a big difference. Well, it was a big difference trying to learn to ride the bike, but it didn't take me very long to get to grips with how to do it. So yeah, so in BSB, you sort of mentioned as well with like the two practice sessions, et cetera, that you have. You have two races per round in in each race in BSB. How do you deal with that? How do you bounce back maybe if you've had a bad race one and going into race two? Or how do you ba bounce back from even having a bad weekend coming into a new race weekend? Um, Well, a lot of it, a lot of it's mental, I guess, because mm. you, you can't really, it's kind of like how I went into Alton this weekend. I was bringing on bad stuff from last year because I knew it was a hard track, but yeah, it turned out that I was third and first. So I shouldn't have even 
worried about how what happened last year because it's always going to be different whenever you go. So I think every race is different. You can't expect it to be the same. So you just forget about what happened then and reset and off you go. That's like such a chilled back, a relaxed answer. <laughs> Obviously, you did say that um, Alton was one of your worst tracks. Probably not your worst track anymore, but do you have a favourite track? Um, I've got probably two. I've got three. I've got three favourite tracks in the UK, and the first one's Brands Hatch, and then Cadwell, and then Knock Hill. They're, oh. like, they're my favourite tracks from... On the and track. outside the UK? Have you ridden uh, any outside the UK? I've done only the ones in Australia. I've never ridden anywhere else. I mean, even just watching. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which uh, which track do you like to watch? Probably... Hareth. I feel like Hareth's a nice track. I feel like yeah. I'm back there. It just looks looks good. Fresh in everyone's mind from last weekend's racing as well. It was pretty yeah. good in fairness. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think, Ben, of the current BSB calendar? You, you happy with the the layout of it, how it goes? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, short and sweet. As long as, I, as long as I'm racing, I'm happy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You seem like one of the... People that are the most easygoing ever. You're literally the most chilled yeah. out person we've ever yeah. had. I was just an Australian thing, I think. <laughs> Who else have we spoken to that's Australian? Is Luke, Luke Parr Australian? Pa- I think he's from yeah. New Zealand. He? Right? Oh, is he? He wasn't as chilled know. out as you. Ah, oh, mate, I'm just easygoing. Just <laughs> nothing to be worried about, eh? Yeah. Mad. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, why not? He's just come back from getting a podium and a win. I know. Are you still on a high from the weekend? <laughs> yeah. Or something? yeah, it's it's uh, it feels weird because it's not happened before, so it's like you don't know yeah. how to describe it. That sort of thing. Yeah. Uh yeah. No, I don't really know how to. It's just I know that it's happened and it feels good. That's that last. I think the stress from the last lap when I was in front was is what was. I had to get over because mm-hmm. I come over the line and I was like, oh, I've won. But I don't need yeah. to stress about falling off anymore. Yeah, <laughs> the relief. But now all you're going to be doing the next time you get on the bike is thinking, how do I replicate this? How do I do this again? Yeah, I know, because now I'm not going to have, as a motorbike rider, you kind of, you, you always set yourself expectations and now my expectation is going to be, I have to win because I know I can do it. Yeah. If I'm not doing it, there's something wrong. Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. Okay, so you're also managed by one of our friends of the podcast, Maddie Patterson. Yes. We want to know how that all came about and how that how all that started. It's a bit of a weird story because we were at um, we're at a St George meeting in Australia. There's a there's a motorcycle club that I'm close friends with the guy that runs it, Michael O'Brien. Uh, St George Motorcycle Club, and they do like a um, a nighttime meeting. So they put mm. the lights on over the track and you ride under the lights at Sydney Motorsport Park. And um, the BMW team had pitted next to us and Maddie had something to do with the BMW team. And I'd, I'd seen her when I got mm. there and I'd never seen her before, but 
uh, she's part of the ASPK paddock, but I'd never, I don't know, I'd never even seen her before. So um, I went out for my first session and I come back and mum's like, oh, here's your new track sister. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't even know who she was. Yeah. And she's best friends with mum. You know, our session's probably 20 minutes later and she'd already made best mates with my mum. So <laughs> Sounds like Marty, yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right. So we got talking and she was telling me about Simon and how he's overseas and he does the GP journalism and so does she. And she was just like, she was willing to help me with mm. whatever I needed. And she was at, so it kind of just started from there. And then we had a um, one of my sponsors, Stuart Bancroft. He runs a, a company called Mini Revheads. They make little characters for like motorbike riders and car drivers. Mm. And um, he got to the track to come watch me. And next minute, Maddie's running up to him, giving him a big hug. And she's like, oh, it's my track, Dad. And I was like, what the, <laughs> why does everyone know this girl? I've never even met her before. And my sponsors know her and mum's best friends are there and all of that. So <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was a bit weird. But ever since then, we've worked well together. And it's been very positive, our relationship. Maddie being the true celebrity in the paddock. <laughs> Yeah, she knows everyone. She gets along with everyone and knows everyone. She actually does. Yeah, I've noticed that from even speaking to her just a handful of times myself. And she always is like, don't take no for an answer. She doesn't take crap from anybody. No, like, no. she's the type of person very you want good. in your corner, in fairness. Yeah. yeah. It is good. She would make a very good motivational speaker as well. Yeah, well, a lot of the time, if I've had a bad weekend and she asks me about it, she's the one that talks to me and says you can't let you can't just let it sit on you like that you gotta go get back out there and get after it so yeah you can tell she's quite invested in it too with the videos that she had up at the weekend when you got your podium and your win yeah Yeah. i mean we've talked a lot about last season about all the other things about australia a bit and i think we should also ask about maybe the future what are your expectations and goals for the rest of the season um, well, with where I am now, sitting third in the championship, I'd like to be able to maintain that. Obviously, I don't want to crash because it's, I've got, I think I'm one point behind second and there's a person in fourth, 17 points behind me. So we have a pretty good, I'm in a good spot, I think, at the moment for going into the next round. But, um, I think I want to be aiming for top five each weekend is what I set out to do this year. I know that if I don't crash and I can consist, be consistent, points make prizes. So hopefully we can continue on with having good results and see how we go by the end of the year. Hopefully we're up the front challenging for the championship. Yeah. And I suppose then, I know you might not have any information on it yet, but have you thought about next year and what you want to do? Has there been any talk yet, any information you can let um, us in on? There's nothing set in stone yet. Mm. I do know that I would like to. I want to definitely move up. A, I want to move up a class. I don't know where or what class I'll go to, but I'm doing. I don't want to do stock six again, yeah. but I don't know where I want to go from there. So, Spread your wings a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm still a bit in the air, but we'll see. Well, I can't really think about next year until this year's over. So. Mm-hmm hopefully have a good year and roll on into something that you know everything if it's going to be right it'll happen that's how I yeah. think about it so I'll just wait and see what happens yeah 
I think you'd be a great fit for the World Superbikes paddock. Like <laughs> going through the classes. Or just with... straight the World Superbikes next year. <laughs> yeah. I'll give it a crack. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe starting off with super sport. <laughs> let's skip super sport because that's yeah, a bit just, chaotic. Let's just go immediately to MotoGP. If Top yeah, Rack's cool. gone, there's a seat open. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah maybe, I should, maybe I'll be on the MR, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I suppose yeah. then, what's the what's the dream? If you know, we're not worrying about next year. What's in your mind? What's the goal? Where are you wanting to go from this? Where are you ex- sort um, of expecting? I don't know. As far as I can go, I guess. Yeah. I bet I'm. I'm happy with where I'm now. I would definitely want more out of racing, but um. You know, I'm happy enough with how far I've come now. So yeah. to be able to, I don't know, I think um, World, Super, World Superbikes would be a good place to go. I think I think I'd be pretty content with if I was to make it there. That'd be, a, you know, that'd be quite a big thing to me. Yeah, definitely. Like, what's the, is that like the dream route? Surely you've like thought about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't really think MotoGP fusses me too much really I, I like the I think everyone's dream is to go to MotoGP but yeah I like Superbikes I guess I'd like to first out of that I'd like to make it to BSB like proper Superbikes there and then see where that takes me yeah well lots of people have done it so it's definitely a feasible a feasible option for you well hopefully yeah Ten years time, we'll be talking about you being the world superbike champion. We'll be like, "Oh, do you remember we had that conversation?" Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, and you can be like, "Remember us?" <laughs> Put a stick on your bike. <laughs> okay, so I think that's all of our main questions. So I think these quick fire questions will suit you a bit more since you're so chilled out and relaxed about the main questions that we've run through. So. We'll chuck some of these at you and see what you think about them. See how I do under pressure. Yeah, fast answers. But if you do want to explain some of them and your thought process behind some of them, we, we might egg you on for a wee bit more. But first one then, would you rather win from pole or win from the back of the grid? Depends if I've got a gap from front from the front or I win by a small margin from the back. Okay. That's it's like a very diplomatic answer. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else that we asked this was back off the grid, back off the grid. It yeah. gives you way more of a satisfaction. Like street cred. Yeah. yeah. If you go from, from the front of the grid and win with a 10 second gap, I say that's just, just as, as impressive. Yeah. Grid, you know? So just depends what how it's working. Okay. You can't answer this for every single one, by the way. <laughs> Can't take oh, we have one it. question where we need a specific answer. Okay. Right. Uh, the next one is time penalty or grid penalty. Grid penalty. I think most people said that. Yeah. They don't want the time Makes penalty. Makes the most the sense. Yeah. Uh, cheat meal or rest day? Uh, rest day. Okay. What would no, be your cheat meal? <laughs> Mm, cheat meal. I don't know. Anything that's a cheat. I like all food. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I think for the next question, we really do need a oh, name. Oh, this yeah. is my favorite one. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. 
Who are you most scared to be next to going into the first corner on the first lap? Now, this can be from any championship. Um, Probably Leon. <laughs> it's a bit wild. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Were um, there many training incidents that... <laughs> Um, inspired it's coming from experience (laughs) there's no no training incidents but I know how competitive Leon was so Mm. I know that if I was in front of him he'd have to try his best to be in front of me yeah Dennis Onchu is going thank god someone's not said me again (laughs) oh but Dennis Onchu is also not the number one anymore I think no it's David Munoz yeah (laughs) and Munoz is up there now he dethroned Onchu for this answer What's more stressful, five minutes before quality or five minutes before the race? Uh, Do you find any of them stressful at this point? <laughs> <laughs> Most stressful uh, part. Neither of them. Just go out, and- <laughs> go out and try and do your best. I wish I was this chill in my life, honestly. <laughs> I think you need to give me some life lessons. <laughs> You, yeah, maybe Jacob should be the motivational speaker here. He needs to give yeah. a follow life lesson and calming down. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you prefer, more corner speed or more top speed? Um, probably corner speed. Okay, fair enough. Um, dry race or wet race? Um... Well, I won in the wet race. I go, I go wet race because I know I can ride in the wet. Yeah. But actually, um... no, dry race, dry race. Cause you... <laughs> oh. Dry, dry race because you can go faster. More opportunity to win then, yeah. yeah. yeah more, more on the limit. In yeah. The dry race. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you have a pre-race ritual? I always put my left glove on first. Ah, someone who finally has a superstition. <laughs> yeah. Before I get on a bike, any time, I put my left glove on first and I get on from the left side. Just the left glove or is there anything else that you do? I always put my left sock on first, just in I the morning. Left, <laughs> left glove on, left glove on first, and then I don't get on the bike. I get on the bike from the left side. Yeah. Always. Never from anywhere else. If I even if I'm like not even race. Not if I'm not even racing or like a push bike or anything. I always yeah. come up from the left side. And some people probably look at me because if I'm standing on the right side of it, I'll hold it and walk around the other side to get on. Look <laughs> a bit silly. <laughs> I actually think I get on a bike from the left hand side too. No, I'm you... thinking of all the superstitious things that I might do because no one else is superstitious. <laughs> Every time I ask this question, everyone goes, "No, don't do anything special." No, I, I definitely feel. I definitely do some superstitious things just left but just my glove and get on the bike from just the way. glove yeah, that's how I do have it. you ever got on from the right yeah and i crashed so i don't <laughs> oh <laughs> okay interesting okay, so we'll not be doing think, that again but sometimes i think i need to get on it again from the right to like undo the curse yeah and then, i don't know if that's how that works but i don't know I'm, i don't know yeah obviously it's not how oh, but I, just, <laughs> I don't know Maybe, no, but I don't know if that'll undo. <laughs> I believe in superstitions too. I don't think that'll undo, but I don't know. 
I think you can try, but maybe not when you're in the championship fight. Yeah, <laughs> like not the last that. race, like five points. Off yeah, get the pushback like out and give it a go and see if <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah, don't do it in a competitive. Maybe not. Game. Yeah. Yeah, because then you're gonna blame us for telling yeah. you to get on the right side of the bike, and we're not taking that. Not gonna do it. I'm just not doing it at all. <laughs> yeah, it can't hurt you if you always get on from the left. Yeah, exactly. Sorted. Okay. Um. If you could have dinner with three people of your choice, either dead or alive, who would you pick? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really. I've never really thought about that. Who I'd want to mm. have dinner with? I feel like this is. I have my names picked out. Is that weird? Am I the weird one? I have. I think I have mine too. Well, well maybe have... because we've spoken about it is why I have mine picked out. Because when other yeah, people get their pro- answers, this is proper. Put me on the spot. Um, doesn't have to be motorsport related either someone said their mum and dad i'm nearly sure yeah well i'm thinking about maybe my mum dad and girlfriend at the moment yeah not saying in a while that's fair enough probably that Hmm. who are you your people lauren mine um okay now i am on the spot i have a few people um i'd probably go three three yeah i know uh (laughs) let me think i'd probably go with valentino rossi my mum and oh no I'm stumped for the third person at the minute Fabio Cotterara I'd like to not Pedro Acosta no not Pedro Acosta <laughs> Laura doesn't think Pedro Acosta fan <laughs> don't come at me like that <laughs> that would be my three people at the minute anyway thanks for putting me on the spot even though yeah. I definitely had them picked out before him we're interviewing you now yeah. <laughs> this is what happens every time Someone else said they would come back and interview us as well. I really hope that never happens. Michael Hill oh, just it wants was... to, and it was her. I just don't like being on the other end of the stick. Yeah. I think it was Leah McDonald who said he wanted to do a reverse interview. Yeah. Don't start throwing the questions my way, Jacob. The call will get ended, and that'll be <laughs> scrapping the episode. <laughs> scrapping it. Okay. Who is your biggest sports idol? And they don't have to be motorsport related. Hmm. Probably. I don't know. Leon. <laughs> I mean, good yeah, I, uh, I feel like everyone. Um, feel like everyone's my idol. I try to mm. be. You know, you can only try to just be your best. I don't know. I try to be as good as anyone. So, I think. Just try to be. I don't know who's the best. I don't, yeah, I don't really know to be honest. I don't know who my idol is. You never looked up to someone as a kid. Had a poster in your bedroom. Nah. No. Very interesting because idol writers have this one person that they really, really are passionate about. So I'm like, oh, I'm really looking up to their career. Others are just like, nope, I am just doing me. Well, I think everyone's really. I think everyone's really good in their own way. Everyone's mm. got something special, so you can't... I Take a little bit from everyone. everyone yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have one specific person I've looked up to because there's a lot of people that I think, well, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can. The chilled out. <laughs> <laughs> this might divide people, this one. Um, bet you might. Yes or no? 
Here we go. That's the veggie. I thought he just jumped and was like, nope, I'm done. I'm done. This is getting ridiculous. Vegemar on toast every morning. Oh, oh breakfast the champions. There you go. Yeah. So that's Jacob's secret, everyone. <laughs> Vegemar and a cup of tea. That's me. How do you take your tea? One sugar. Um, and a little bit of milk. Yeah. Okay, that's acceptable. What what goes first? <laughs> tea bag, milk, sugar. Uh, sugar, tea bag. Wrong. Water. <laughs> mm. Take the tea bag out and then milk at the end. Mm, I do have to disagree with you on that one. Um, Lauren will throw you out of the UK if you're doing this ever again. Someone, there was someone putting uh, milk in first. Milk in Horrendous. First. Yeah. Yeah, no. I watched someone do that the other day and I thought that's disgusting. Why no, you, you should be banned from the UK if that's how you drink your tea. Tea bag first, hot water, let that sit for a wee minute, take it out, and then you put your milk and your sugar in. Oh. Why are you putting milk in first? Because sugar dissolves better if the liquid is hotter. So it would make more sense if no. you're putting the sugar in, stir it oh. until it's dissolved, and then add milk. Most people put the milk in and then the tea bag, and then put the hot water in, and then put their their sugar in at the end. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's in... okay. Yeah. The only reason I'm putting sugar in the tea bag in first is because. It comes from the same cupboard. So it kind of just goes oh. in at the same time. <laughs> like they're next to each other. So I just go boom, boom, in. Um. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But also, if my dad heard this, he genuinely would disrespect you. I'm not going to lie. It's a very sacred way of doing things. <laughs> it has to be the tea bag first. Uh, also, I wonder if that's just a UK thing or if that's just a thing that's very important in Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lauren is always telling me those things about Northern Ireland, and I'm starting to question if they are actually true or if it's just a, her thing. Are Northern Irish people even real at this point? Let's be honest. <laughs> We're a bit weird. Moving on with some other maybe controversial things. Uh, Tim Tams or Cadbury's? Uh, Tim Tams. Have you had a penguin? A penguin? What's that? A chocolate bar, <laughs> a penguin. See, this is why I didn't put penguin. Apparently, down, so... it's the same as same a tin Well, is it like a chocolate coated wafer? Yeah, it's yeah. like a biscuit, and there's a wee bit of like chocolate, and then it's covered in chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go uh, out to the shop and get a penguin, and get back to us on that. We buy it when we have a cup of tea. We buy either end off and then suck on it like a straw, and then eat it, and it like dissolves in your mouth in Australia. Okay. We don't do that with penguins, but... I don't know what a Tim Tam looks like, but it, I didn't think that you could do that with it. I'm on podcast. I'm on podcast, yeah. <laughs> I was just coming into the caravan. Oh, yeah. Does he want to say hello? <laughs> we can come up with some quick questions as well. On a podcast, man. <laughs> podcast talking about you at the moment. <sighs> hello. Hi. You've been quite the hot topic today, yeah. so you have. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to be going into the first corner with you. Oh, yeah. you're, you're the one person I wouldn't want to serve them. Just in case of crash. No, because I know <laughs> you into it, so you try everything. Yeah. <sighs> How are we, guys? Anyway, you all good? Yeah, all good. Yeah. How are you? Good. Busy, busy, but yeah. 
I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, we we won't keep you much longer. If you want to join in with some of these questions while we're, we've yeah. got the last ones left, by all means, do it. Um, where were we? So this one, Jacob, then, what is your favourite British slang word that you've learned so far? You probably have good ones being an Australian, but I think the British people do have good slang words as well. Um, when people say, oh, that's dead funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, people don't say that in Australia. That's dead funny. Yeah. And like, I suppose you probably don't even realise that we say that, yeah. Um, Australian superbikes or British superbikes? British superbikes. <laughs> I, I suppose this is a question where everyone can join in. <laughs> um, who would you want to be your teammate in MotoGP or World Superbikes? And what bike would it be on? Um... I'd have, I'd get Rossi to come back and be my teammate. Yeah, mine would probably be on the Ducati alongside Bangnaya because obviously mm. he's the champ, so no better person to have the current champion alongside you. Yeah. What bike would you want, Jacob, with Valentino Rossi? Um, well, I'd probably go with Ducati as well. I know they didn't yeah. do that on him, but I want to ride that. I mean, currently... You'd be stupid not to choose a Ducati <laughs> if you have the choice. KTMs are going quite well. Yeah, to... I was yeah. going to say, if I had to pick, I think I'd pick Jack Miller in a KTM at the minute. But I wonder if for KTM it was a bit of a one-off weekend or if they're actually now fast every single time when it's dry. Yeah, the, for me, they've come on quite a lot. You know, Jack, mm. um, I spoke, to, I speak to Jack quite a lot and... Uh, yeah, actually, I'd probably be teammates to Jack because we never would have a right laugh in the year. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, no, honestly, I think it looks like they've made some real big steps. You know, Binder, Miller, you know, one, two for most of the races for the last two rounds. You know, it's not a coincidence that they're going well. And Pedroza. Like, yeah. unbelievable. I was going to say, where'd that come from? But I suppose, actually, we all knew he could do that. But, yeah, but it's unbelievable. If you have that long of a pause, I suppose it's still quite the achievement. Yeah. Just to be there every single session, it's not easy, no, I imagine. No, definitely not. So there you go. Okay. Final one then. Who is going to win the championship in MotoGP and in World Superbikes? I think this has become quite an obvious one now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, I wouldn't be so oh, sure. Or are we going to throw some other names in the mix? I think <laughs> Caddy have got it in the bag. And Bautista. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to look past those two at the minute. I'd say so. I would... And Leon will have you... BSB covered. <laughs> what did I you have... say? I said Leon will have BSB covered. Oh, yeah, yeah, we knew that. <laughs> yeah, That's why we didn't course. even ask yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. That's a, That's a given. I still haven't written off best to do some incredible things, hopefully in MotoGP. I need an Bashanini to come back. That's who my money is. Yeah, I think it's already a bit late for him to chase. No, he'll come back and win everything. Oh, but Peko is so good at the second half of the season. Every single time he's just like, last six races, okay. Win, win, yeah. win. <laughs> <laughs> Sorted. Okay, so I think that is all of our questions. Unless you want to go back, Leon, and, and answer some of our fun yeah. quickfire ones, but oh, we don't want to keep you any longer. Yeah. I'm um, happy to do whatever. I'm actually um, trying to see if Jacob wants to race this weekend. That's why I've come in to see him. So, <laughs> Oh, I think Leon should answer our favourite question. 
Yeah, oh, go for well. it. I've got, yeah. I've got some Lowe's coming for dinner in about 10 minutes, so you got to be quick. <laughs> okay, this, well, this one we love to know people's answers. So this is the one that Jacob answered you for. So who are you most scared to be next to going into the first corner on the first lap? Could be from any any series. Um, It doesn't have to be someone you've raced with either. Just who who would you be scared of? Yeah, it's unexpected, like... um. Probably someone from your neck of the woods. Andrew Irwin's pretty loose. You know, <laughs> outrageous stuff. Um, but yeah, and I think everyone learns over time and um, mm. how you go up in your levels, you know, the, the respect becomes more and more. Um, yeah. Nobody wants to crash. And, um, you know, those rash moves do sometimes get eliminated how you go in the championships. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Northern Irish people are a bit, <laughs> a bit loose, aren't they? <laughs> Let's wrap this all up then. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Massive thank you to Jacob and also a massive thank you to Leon for hopping in at the end there and answering some of our questions too. It's been great having you guys on and speaking with you. If you want to follow us, we are at The Siding Lap. And if you want to follow Jacob, Jacob, tell us where, where people can find you. Jacob Hatch 96 on Instagram and Jacob Hatch Racing on Facebook and Jacob Hatch 96 on Twitter. Yeah. And Leon, since you're here, where can people find you too? <laughs> people want to? Yeah, obviously, we've got a few uh, handles for the teams. So, obviously, we've got the uh, Completely Motorbikes Cowie page. We've got the Completely Motorbikes Triumph. Uh, and I'm with Rocket BMW. My personal pages is uh, uh, Real Leon Haslam on the Twitter and Leon Haslam on the Instagram. Perfect. So, that is where you can find us all. Again, a massive thank you guys for joining this week's episode. And we will see you guys next week with another one.